Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Well, it's great to be with you guys. You guys are great. Look at your neighbor and say, you're great. Like, I don't know you. So just to kind of preface a little bit what I'm going to talk about, I would love just to kind of open up your your heart to receive. And I felt like the Lord wants to heal brains today. And I'm not joking. So just things that have happened with your brain. And, you know... We're going we're gonna to talk about attachment love is kind of the, the topic, and I, I feel like there's, there's chemicals and different things that, that, that make up kind of who we are, and I felt like a few things that the Lord wants to come and do some uh, just awesome, mighty work in is those of you who experienced a lot of low love in your home as a kid, you didn't feel like there was deep levels of connection and it's probably the most damaging thing to a human is that itself. And it causes chemical disorders, it causes a whole bunch of different things. And I feel like the Lord wants to come in today and just restore some things supernaturally with your actual physical brain. And so, you know, things, other things, dyslexia, ADD, uh, just a whole bunch of different disorders that we're finding out are so prevalent and common with so many different people. I feel like the Lord's gonna come and do some things supernaturally. Um, but my kind of goal today is to really talk about a lot of the natural side of that, though, and to kind of shed light on, you know, some actions that we can do to create a community and families of attachment love. And so this is kind of the topic that we're going to tackle, and I want to, uh, you know, words that are very familiar to, to you. Have any of you guys listened to Danny Silk over the years or ever? Okay, there's about, there's about most of us have listened to him, and he uses the word uh, connection. And so I'm going to use a different word today, which is attachment love. It's not something that we commonly use, and I'm going to try to explain to you what that is and bring clarity uh, just to kind of somewheres, um, some places that I feel like Bethel Atlanta is going. So, all right, we're going to start off with this. So this is our mission. This is what Bethel Atlanta is called to do, if you've ever... How many of you have visited our website? Okay, a few of you. So we are a family gathered around his presence, raising leaders to reign in life and restore cities to look like heaven on earth. Sounds pretty, sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty epic. Sounds significant. It sounds impossible. But we know something, somebody who does something with the impossible, and his name is Jesus. So this is really, um, you know, one of, one of the primary reasons we, we come to church is to experience corporate presence. And I love, I was telling our core team, we do these we, uh, bi-weekly check-ins where we just share hearts with one another. We share what's going on. And I said, sometimes I can feel a little bit selfish inside that I just really want to spend time with me and Jesus. I just want to stay in that place, which truly as humans, if we only do that, we are being selfish because we're called to so much more. 
a a manifestation of our love is called to be towards one another. And if we say we love him and not each other's, what are we? Liars. (laughs) It's pretty harsh. And so, but there's these times, which again, man, I love my moments with the Lord. He's been been waking up for, for weeks and just spending hours with him in the middle of the night. And it's, it's felt so beautiful. It's felt so refreshing. And I can just feel the tangible, uh, just revelation and just manifestation of his presence. But there's something about being a family that gathers around him as Lord and Savior, as God, as King, as lover, as friend. And we, this is what we do. This is why our worship is so important. And our worship is that time where we get to honor and glorify um, him. And so it's so fun to do that. It's, it's, it's life-changing. And I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're at home, it's, you know, it's so beautiful to be at home and online and to be able to experience that. But there is something tangible about us being together, physically together. And so I, I just want to encourage us to, 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 to come together. And then we know that, um, you know, this is really, we're getting ready to launch Bethel Atlanta Leaders, and that's happening in January. And a lot of that, uh, a lot of the goal of that is actually relational love. It's mutual discipleship. It's life-on-life discipleship. And a lot of times I've viewed discipleship as, as, as listening to a speaker or a teacher or sp- somebody from the fivefold, an evangelist, and getting engaged and, and then walking out and doing something different. Well, that is really, truly beautiful, and we love that. But we also want to add that you actually have something to give your brother and sister in Christ, and you also have something to receive from a, from a group, um, one-on-one group, uh, nutrients uh, exchange, where we're going to be able to be life on life and letting each other into what's going on and expanding on what the Lord's talked to you about, because you guys all have so much to say. So this is somewhat what Bethel Atlanta's leaders um, will be all about. And so then we want to see restoration to a city, guys, and we want to see people reigning in life. And the way I'm translating reigning in life now is really somebody who knows how to live out self-leadership, how you know how to lead yourself. Because if we know the last example of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, being able to control oneself um, towards what the Lord is saying. And then I'm so excited about, do you guys know that we still believe that God wants to take cities? He wants to take cities for his glory. I mean, I loved in my prayer life, I was visiting Atlanta where I'd go into the city and I would just pray and I love just to, to, to dream about what is it gonna look like as the glory of the Lord comes over this city? What is it gonna look like as his manifests a presence covers Atlanta? What things will grow? What things will change? What repentance will happen? And I just love to, to dream with the Lord about what our city will look like when heaven comes to earth. I know that's pretty cheesy, and I forgot I did that. I would have built that up different because I purposely, I love the cheese. I love it. It makes me excited in my heart. And then we have some core values that are really a big deal, and we're getting ready to, to just uh, launch into what are these core values um, that Bethel Atlanta holds to. And, you know, the four primary ones we have 
our identity, discipleship, kingdom, and service. And those are things that are just really important to who we are, and I'm so excited to watch those manifest in new ways at Bethel Atlanta. And then we heard the Lord say something super specific, and you know, discipleship is one of our, our core values, but he, he gave us as a senior leadership team this word about three years ago about leadership and discipleship, and that's where Bethel Leaders was kind of built out of, and also, uh, just we wanna see people grow from glory to glory. And we're, we're really excited about that. And somewhat what this has, you know, really taken place is if you're part of our generations ministry, you either attend youth group, young adults, you're a leader in it, um, you're in over 50 fire, you're in any of those places. Could you stand? So I just called out a lot of people. So a whole bunch of people should be standing. So this is one of our calls, guys, is this is where a lot of life happens throughout the week, where over 50 fire meets, generations, uh, the, the youth group, the children's, um, all these places, uh, they meet together just for the sake of mutual discipleship, from growing from glory to glory. And it's just such a, a beautiful place. And so we felt like the Lord was speaking to us about this, and it is what we're looking to do as a church community. Again, I, I, I feel like, from my personal journey as a, a leader, um, what we've been doing as a team, as the, um, our core team, there's nine of us in our core team at Bethel Atlanta, we've been meeting together, um, like I said, bi-weekly just to share hearts. And it's something way different. I've never seen this done on a leadership team. Like we get together, we meet, we pray, we share testimony, but I've never seen this level of um, openness and vulnerability and connectedness that the Lord is building between um, us as, a, as a, a leadership group. And we really wanna see this happen within our community and the church. And so, you know, the Lord really has, has sent me on a journey this last, uh, it's, it's, it's really been for years now. And I, I wanna talk, talk about this subject called attachment love. And I remember I was driving in the car with Danny Silk. Oh, I don't know, it's been probably eight or nine years ago. And I was just asking him tons of questions. And I said, hey, Danny, what, you know, if you were me in my age, I think I was about 33 at that time. And he, I said, what, what would you be studying? What would you be looking into? What, what subject would you, would you be going after? And he looked at me and he said, um, I'd be studying attachment theory. If I was going back to, to college and he'd already, he'd already done all that world, he said, I would study attachment theory. And I said, oh, interesting. So it just kind of, you know, put a little small thing in my heart to, to slowly just look at that subject, look at what that means. And today we're really gonna um, look at the concept of attachment love and what that means for us as individuals, what that means for us corporately. And so the first thing when I, when I look at this word, the first thing I think of is uh, family. I think of uh, our biological families. It's the very first thing I think of. And so I wanted to so you, show you some things with my family. Oh. Is it gonna go? Men. Okay, we're gonna try this one more time. You, you, you think you might have heard it? We'll see if it works. And everybody, give it up for our production team. They just like killed it today, trying to get me all hooked up. 
This has been a bear. Nothing's working up on here. Um, not on their end on these little boxes. So we're going to try this again. This was our surprise many years ago for our girls for a Christmas present. We were, we were surprising this, them to go to Disney World. And I remember uh, we got about half hour into the drive and I, I believe it was my daughter Liberty, which she's on the left um, in, the, in the car seat. And she was, I don't know how old she is at that time, three I think, maybe two and a half. And she, she goes, Dad, how long does it take to go to Home Depot? And my kids have been tortured with me enough to go with me to Home Depot enough that she forgot we were going to Disney World. She didn't even really understand the concept of what Disney World is, but she was real excited. But she was wondering why we'd been driving for a half hour to an hour and we weren't at Home Depot yet because Home Depot only takes like 10 minutes to get to. So she was just massively confused. So she kept on asking that, how long is it going to take for us to get to Home Depot? <laughs> so, but you know, I, I do. I, I, think, I think when I think of this subject, I think of family. Here's Jen and I. Um, when we were dating, I was probably 16. She was 16 also. Here's, I think, our junior year. Here's our wedding. There's, that's when, after the wedding. <laughs> Kylie came four years later. There's Ava. There's Kylie and Ava. There's Arabelle. There's Jenny and Libs. There's the four girls on that trip in Disneyland. Little matching cute dresses. It's just the family keeps on. There it is. And then here's our 20th anniversary that Jen and I just had. So... Here's something for our community. Oh. It's Christmas time. That was us uh, when we were at the um, Sandy Creek building. So the most powerful force in the human brain is attachment love. The most powerful force in your brain is uh, attachment love. And I love that, you know, science is just catching up with so much truth that, that we've known for so long just regarding attachment and, and what, you know, our brain, how it produces and what it actually, how those two things um, uh, come together. And so, you know, kind of the, the big question we want to ask is what is attachment? What is this? And, uh, you know, the simplest uh, kind of neurological research that they've been doing on uh, humans is with um, mothers and babies and just watching the, the interaction between them where a baby doesn't have the, the classic cognitive capacity that we do when we get older, but the bond that is actually created between them is so beautiful. 
And so they've done so much research just looking into that bond. And there's been, you know, this is something, this attachment, this love is something that, that poets and that musicians and artists have been trying to capture the essence of what does this mean? You know, we use it all the word, all, the word all the time. What is love? And we have many different ways to describe it. And I feel like one of the most uh, helpful experiences to me has been learning what this attachment love looks like. You know, for me, when I was, uh, you know, in, in first grade, I experienced my first experience with detachment, my first experience. And I, I was raised in a beautiful home. My parents loved Jesus. Again, like the rest of our parents and us, um, we're not per- they were not perfect but they definitely uh, presented us with the clear understanding that the first primary experience is loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so when I was in, in first grade, I remember uh, I, I got diagnosed with dyslexia. And so they, they knew that my learning was real off and that's not the thing that bothered me so much. But when that happened in first grade, they told me that I would have to do first grade again. So what did that mean? All my friends went to the next grade. And so this was my seriously small yet first experience with minor trauma, which was me staying back in a grade and um, the other students going to the next grade. And I loved my friends. I remember, I, I loved my friends. In second grade is when during Valentine's Day, I had to bring my parents all the love notes I got from the girls. <laughs> and I felt excited and guilty all at the same time. <laughs> and... My, my, my best friend at that time was, was Kyle Backland and Steve Backland. He's, he's, the, he's part of our, the chairman of our board. He's part of our um, board team, and he's been that for the last couple of years now. He's been a great just spiritual father in my life. But his son was my best friend growing up in those early days. And so they went on to second grade, and I was back in first grade doing it again, Groundhog's Day. And then in third grade, uh, their family ended up moving away. And they moved from where we were in Humboldt County, California, um, to Round Mountain, Nevada. And this was my second experience with experience a level of detachment, experiencing a level of separation from somebody that was my best friend. And we can all relate to these small, some of you guys have moved all over the world. That was your normal as a family. And there's something about, that's why the the mother and father is such a a primary, uh, beautiful situation when, when, when children have these caregivers that are able to give them this experience with attachment, this experience with deep, intimate, loving connection. And so, I remember those things, and those things may have been, uh, may have been challenging and, and really hard. When I look back at my life, I can see some of the, what those small things have actually caused, um, you know, as I got older. And they, they caused things like um, the, the hyper experience of sadness when I no longer have connection with somebody. You know, I've been a pastor now for, for, for 20, 21 years, 
And the hardest thing for me is when people leave the church. And it's a lot of times for really good reasons. Sometimes it's not. But those experiences of, of detachment, and I remember one of my, uh, uh, one of my really, really close, close friends was making some really poor decisions in his life. And a leader, one of the, the leaders in, in Bethel, in Reading, um, pretty much excommunicated him. Now, he was doing meth and sleeping with a bunch of the girls, so pretty good reason to say until you get safe, you can't come back because of the harm that you're causing to our environment. So again, the other side of uh, attachment is uh, building a, a, um, a place of safety in a place where people can connect. And so he got asked to leave. But I remember just the experience because um, you ever have just like hope that people are going to change and then they decide not to for a while? It's a hard place to be. But, so I remember just like this torn feeling of, at first, frustration and anger towards my leader, and then as time goes on, <laughs> frustration and anger towards my friend in these places of just, just uh, simple heartbreaks. Why? Because I longed for this place that the only place we will truly, at the end of the day, experience this is in heaven, where there is no detachment, there's no separation because of the connection and the intimacy we have that first primarily comes from the Father. And so let's start in the beginning. And I, and I, love, I love Genesis. And so it's, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible and I'm just gonna reference it here. Um, so just Genesis um, you know, 1.27 talks about how we're created in the image of God, in his likeness. Every human is born into this place of being in the likeness and image of our Father. And we know what ended up happening in Genesis 3. And, you know, sin is such an interesting topic nowadays. And I, I would like to give a, 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 probably a simpler definition of sin, um, which is simply to separate. Did you know why sin is so destructive? Is because it separates you? It separates you from God? yourself and others. Every single sin has an aspect of separation that it causes within the human race. This is why it's such a big deal. And most of the time when we think of sin, we're, 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 we're thinking it through the lens of I'm good or bad, these kind of uh, lenses. Um, but sin separates. This is why, you know, in the garden, the picture after Adam and Eve um, did something, what did they do? They ate some fruit. Now it's the one choice. How many of you guys last you thought think the fruit is sin? <laughs> well, the way we should actually look at sin is the way that God looks at it, which is any choice that doesn't breed or bring connection and attachment. And almost all sin separates you in some aspect. Here, here, and then in here. And so this thing about separation, separation is really the opposite of attachment. It's the opposite of being close, of being together. And so in that moment, you got separated from God, your true self, and others. And so we know that from that place, we know what the cross actually brought. And 
you know, this concept of, of, of attachment love, I, I wanna look at love in the, the area uh, of, of this word triune, and triune is mostly used for us thinking of the Trinity, of, of us thinking of the love that God shares between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have perfect attachment, perfect harmony, perfect love um, within themselves. They are in need of nothing within themselves. And we know that in this place, so you have God, and then we have ourselves, and then we have others. And so the goal of attachment love, the goal of this whole thing is what we're gonna read here in a moment in John 17, and you can turn there right now. But in it, we, we read and we start to understand this um, reciprocal experience with attachment love, that attachment love itself is supposed to be triune. And this is why the subject of love is so confusing in our modern day. It's just so confusing. We have, we have, we, we now, it's very easy to look at um, whatever generation and see their experiences with attachment. But we have, you know, you look at the, the what they call the greatest generation ever, which I love them. And, um, you know, their ability to create um, stability when it came to longevity was high. One job, one spouse. Now we have a whole different experience of that, which uh, loyalty without boundaries brings disconnection itself. And so I've got the honor and privilege of doing marriage counseling with some in the greatest generation. And rather than two people alive, you have two people dead, but they will not... Um, they will not violate their covenant. But they're dead, they hate each other. Because their value was loyalty at all cost. That was the military value, that was the value of the day. Now, the other extreme of love is your individual self at all cost. It's all about self-realization, it's all about anything um, involving self. My dreams, my life, my, my, my. Very, very different in value systems, very, very different in defining what love actually is. And love itself, attachment love itself, is actually supposed to be triune. It always has three different points. It's supposed to be connected to God, self, and others at all times. It's supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be inward and, and upward and outward at all times. And so we, we love this, this passage of, of Jesus describing what I believe is attachment love. And he says this in John 17, 20 to 26. I do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as, um, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. I love that. That's a small glimpse into the Trinity, the, the perfection that Jesus and, and Father shared together. That they also may be in us so that, we, so that the world may believe that, that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Oh, isn't that beautiful? 
He's given us this glory that they may be um, one even as we are one. And so this is a picture right here of the, the Trinity and us being invited um, as individuals first into this uh, Trinitarian experience into what he's gonna talk about others in a moment. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am um, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known... Pardon me, I, may, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love that with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I love this picture of this completeness of love and this really is a picture of heaven and it's the picture that we are actually supposed to practice here of oneness. And I would propose that the, one of the greatest challenges we have today within the church is oneness, is attachment love, is being unified because of attachment love. And I'll explain that more in a moment. I believe what, what I've really discovered in, um, through not me, but other people's uh, discovery is salvation actually creates attachment. It creates this attachment love. And so what happened in the garden? Sin separated us from the Father. We know about the history of what happened in the Old Testament until Christ came. And Jesus came for one mission, one mission. And everybody was mad at him that he didn't have their mission. Right? You're nice to tax collectors. You're friends with zealots. You're doing nothing about the Roman Empire. Do you care about justice? Does it sound familiar? He came for one mission, the mission of attaching those who will belong to him for eternity, past, present, and future. He had one mission. It wasn't all those submissions, which were really important, and he cares about those things. He died for those justices too. And so... Salvation actually creates attachment. And this first does not start with us at all. We know what first, um, first John 4 says, that he loved us first. In that attachment, what he's saying through this, this salvation experience is, come, I will give you myself, my perfection, my glory, my goodness, my love, my peace. I will give you faith. All those things are first primarily gifts from this beautiful savior. And so this, this beautiful picture that salvation creates attachment love, that salvation causes us to wake up to this place of being attached to the father. And then we go into things like Romans, Romans eight, nothing will separate you from the love of God. Will height, will depth, will angels, will principalities, will powers, the things present or things to come. Nothing can separate you from this one that is attached to you because the gift of salvation. This is actually what we get as believers. And it is such a beautiful, free, yet expensive gift. 
and it awakens our hearts to the reality of love. You know, discipleship creates mutual, uh, pardon me, maturity, and maturity begins with um, who you're attached to. And so we want to really create a culture of attachment around here, of a love attachment and a connection to one to another. Because I don't know if you've ever grown up in a religious church that just tells you what to believe, what to think, and what to do, rather than a church that actually is looking for people to mutually disciple each other, which mutually discipleship comes out of a, a, a concept in Ephesians 5 where it says, submit to one to another with the generation and the, the, the atmosphere that is out there right now is we're submitting to self more than anything else, rather than the beauty of submitting one to another, which is us in the body of Christ, we have something for one another. Well, you, you have goodness for me, just like I have goodness for you. Why? Because of the ones that we are attached to, which is first and foremost the Godhead, but then we bring that attachment one to another. So this beauty of mutual discipleship is something we long to create, where it's not just discipleship from a platform, but it's discipleship you carry something. You carry glory that I will never experience until I meet you. And you know... Like I pointed out before, when I think of attachment, I, I immediately go back to our family of origin and kind of what we experienced uh, around um, either our, our experience of attachment or our experience of lack of attachment. And I, I really love what I'm about to, to show you. It's really ridiculous. But how many of you has it been your goal not to become your parents? Some of you it might be the goal to become your parents. I haven't met many of you, but some of you experience such great homes and probably you shouldn't raise your hand because your parent might be sitting next to you right now. So, but we have this thing, it's like, and it's obviously mostly the things, the things that, were, that, were, that were broken in them because as family, we get to see our brokenness. We get to see our separations. We get to see our sin. And so a lot of us growing up are like, I, I love this part about mom and dad, but man, I do not want to grow up and be like that. And then we, we grow up and we mostly experience this. I got into this oh. because I was a sufferer. I'm sorry, I really do love that. And so we know we're all longing to grow, and I love this. Um, maturity is all you were meant to be at this stage. So many of us live, and this is, uh, this is a, uh, who's uh, impacted me greatly, Jim Wilder, this is his, his definition of maturity. And you know, this definition of maturity allows you to stay present. Most maturity is like you're not this or your past is messing you up so you're not this. And maturity is all you're meant to be at the stage you're in. And this is what we're looking to create here as a family, as, as a Bethel Atlanta family. We're looking to create a bunch of people that are giving their lives to grow to, from glory to glory. 
and I've been around a lot of uh, highly spiritual Christians, but it's fewer and farther to find lots of mature Christians. They know how to partner with the gifts of God's in the works of God, but they've actually never learned how to create attachment love within the context of the relationships. And so I wanna call us all up to the next level of maturity, to be a people that grow from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And again, we have a high level of desire for a, a high culture where the fivefold is manifesting. And what I mean by manifesting is the apostles are meant to bring heaven to earth. And we are all meant to be apostolic, to bring heaven to earth. We are all meant to be prophetic. What's that mean? We all hear the voice of the, the, of the Father and we're able to prophesy one to another. We all are called to evangelize. We all are called to, to share the gospel, the good news. We are all called to know the word of God. These, these are what the fivefold create, and we want to create that kind of an atmosphere. But also, at the end of the day, I want to create an atmosphere of people that just know how to love one another. Because this happens to be the highest call we have, is to create attachment love as a community within a city. And so... You know, we've, we've all had those moments um, of just feeling like we're not in the stage that we're supposed to be. And like any good parent, we're not yelling at our two-year-old that they're not running. We're excited when they take their first step. But I think a lot of times when we come to this subject of attachment love, we all think we're in this level right here. I don't know who this is, so don't go visit that. We all want to be at that stage, guys. We all, but the truth is, is we all need to grow. We, we, we need to grow. I don't know what those are either. I'll get it off there really quick. I wish you didn't look at that. But we need to grow in this love. And guess what? Growing in this love does not only happen here. It happens in the real scary place, which is here. You're all scary. And so am I. Why? Because we are not fully complete. When we look in a mirror, we only see the dimness, the moment we're in, in the way that we love. And I want to be in a culture that is growing this, this love attachment one to another, this place. And I love these two words. The, the Greek word has said, and the, um, pardon me, the, Greek, the Hebrew word has said and the Greek word agape, they're both used. Uh, Hased is used 248 times in the um, Old Testament, and agape is used 117 times. And Hased is a lot of times translated as steadfast love, loving kindness, goodness, mercy, favor. Agape is um, translated love, charity, dear. And this love that we're trying to uh, practice is we're practicing for eternity, guys. 
and I know um, some of the, 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 the greatest things that, that can affect this love is mission. And I'm, I'm very curious about this subject because I've been a man that has given my life to the two words mission and vision. The longing to see something, some injustice uh, brought right. But for so many centuries, we've created cultures that divide around everything. The first church split was in um, 1000 and during this time, the Catholic Church and what was all called the Catholic Church at that point split from the Eastern Orthodox split and they split for a doctrinal issue that I think is pertinent. Satan did Luther, Martin Luther, that created this denominational spirit that we're all in. I believe both of those moments were paramount moments in history that needed to happen. And the one with the Catholic Church is they were saying that the Pope had responsibility like the word of God meaning his words were on par with the Bible. I think that's a good reason to separate. (laughs) Faith alone, what Martin Luther bought, right? (laughs) You guys, these things, the the, the challenge is now we have so many denominations. Every new moment, we split over something. It's happening right now in politics, guys. We have Republican churches and Democratic churches right now. It's the primary thing that they go after. Why? Because they have a mission that's important, super important. It's not to belittle ever any of these missions. It's never to subdue what God is wanting to bring righteousness and justice. But if you begin to ask different people, you find out that their mission actually has ties to holiness. It has ties to justice. It has ties to purity. It has ties to love. But when Jesus said something that is very, very curious, and we're going to end with this. Jesus said, love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says, the, uh, I'm actually, I could just read it. It's in Matthew, because I'm going to botch it. I can feel it. I can feel my botchiness. I can, I can feel it happening right now. I don't want to get called a heretic because I quote the Bible wrong. <laughs> just playing. All right, he says this um, in Matthew 5. Where are you at there? You have heard it said that I said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. This is, I believe, the missing component within our missions is we start developing enemies. You hate Trump, you love Trump. I can't remember our president's name. This is so bad. (laughs) Biden. You love a Biden, you hate a Biden. Did I say abiding? Abiding. You love. (laughs) Oh, this is good. Welcome to Dyslexic Justin, which I love. So you, you guys, but this is what we're doing. Righteousness is not hating people. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
The, and these are important things, guys. We're not minimizing any of the things. Sexual, I mean, all this stuff is so, everything, like there's so much importance. But if it begins to skew your love, you need to start looking at you. Because we got to take the plank. This is Jesus out of our eye before we can move the sliver in our culture's eye. And you, you guys, I, uh, we're, 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 we're barely, in, in the greatest way, to know that you're growing in, dis- in mutual discipleship, in attachment love, is knowing who your enemies are. In transitioning them from enemies to those that need the same attachment love that brought you into this kingdom, which is Jesus. And it doesn't mean we don't care about behind those injustices, because we could take the injustices of America, our own country, we could take the injustices of the church, what we've inherited, the injustices of denominations, and you can see skews. But I wanna propose the greatest thing we first need to start with is attachment love. We have something for one another, and you may have a different mission than me, but we don't divide around these missions because we unite around attachment love, which is not a thing, an ethereal thing. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, guys. And it's learning to love one another as he loved us. Would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to do ministry time in a second, but I felt like I'd love everybody to just put your hand on your head. And Father, when you woke me up this morning, you showed me the human brain, and you said you wanted to release attachment love on the human brain. So I just pray for those that are at the sound of my voice right now, that anything from their past, anything from their future mission that is separating them from your love, from attachment love, from the love they have for themselves and others, from the love they did or didn't experience as a kid, for the big traumas, for the little traumas, I just ask that you would rush in with your mercy and your healing power and heal our brains in the name of Jesus. I pray for effects after today that people may have with brain disorders, with things within their chemicals, that there would be a reversal from this day forward because of your miraculous power. You can put your hand on your heart. But then I ask that we would steward that miraculous power to learn first, obviously, the most utmost importance is to receive your love. You're a kind, good father. And that you would in turn show us how to love one another show us how to carry our, our mission. but allowing attachment 
and learning how to love those people that we have deemed as enemies and doing what you said. You took all of your commandments to a higher level. And I just ask, Lord, teach us as Bethel Atlanta how to love one another and also teach us how to love ourselves. And so I just thank you. You showed me that you wanted to do something in our brains today. You wanted to start with some miraculous healing and then the process of mutual discipleship, a family growing from glory to glory together and attached. And so I just thank you for grace and I thank you for your healing power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.